Have you ever gone out to eat somewhere and come home sick? I'm not talking a stomach ache or food going through you like people with IBS eating a Crunchwrap Supreme from Taco Bell. I'm talking going home and cradling your toilet bowl like it's your lord and savior. More than likely, that was from food poisoning. It's more common than you think. Salmonella, which most of us have heard of or had an unfortunate encounter with, is like so many other bacterias. Botulism, from potatoes being cooked and left out improperly. E. coli, from contaminated meat transferred through feces. Just like typhoid, is the result of so many bacterial illnesses that can kill if not treated properly. Today we have antibiotics, a better understanding of sanitation, and a better healthcare system. But before science was able to figure out that these tiny microbes that make you pray you never ate that shrimp cocktail on that cruise were the result of so much illness, people just spread it person to person to person, sometimes not even knowing it. Typhoid fever, the focus of this episode, is caused by a common bacteria we still encounter today. It is known as Salmonella typhi bacteria. You contract this bacteria through fecal-contaminated foods. I'll say that again. Your food is contaminated by feces. You could also catch it from someone who is sick with typhoid or someone who just carries it around on their person. But the point remains, someone did not wash their hands and went to prep your food or your friend's food. It's a bacteria that the food industry seriously tries to fight. I mean, who wants to be associated with serving food that is contaminated by someone's poop? Cooking food to the right temperature Prepping it with proper sanitation and cleanliness is the way kitchens keep these bacterias in check. But much too often, you find a lazy worker in a kitchen, or anywhere really, who does not wash their hands. This is one reason cruise ships get shut down and anchored out at sea before they dock on land. Someone in the kitchen did not wash their hands after using the bathroom, or did not follow the regulations of food prep. E. coli, like many other bacterias, can sit on raw poultry. If you're making a poultry dish and do not cook it fully, or wash your surface and cooking tools before transferring to the next task, you risk spreading this nasty little bacteria. The neurovirus we all hear about on cruise ships, that comes from people being sick with E. coli and it becoming airborne, spreading through the cabins to other people, just as typhoid is spread through the same exact means. But what does that tell us today? What connections can we make from the cruise ships getting shut down, your Taco Bell making you pray to any higher power just to make it stop, or even <gasps> coronavirus? Here's the start. Cases of typhoid fever have reduced in the United States since the early 1900s due to a better understanding of medicine and cleanliness. It's diagnosed by finding the bacteria in a stool or urine sample from a suspected infected individual. You ingest the contaminated food or water, and the bacteria makes its way into your small intestine. From your small intestine, it enters your bloodstream temporarily. The typhoid bacteria are carried by your white blood cells in the liver, spleen, and bone marrow, where they multiply and re-enter your bloodstream. People develop symptoms like fever, stomach pain, and you guessed it, diarrhea. Bacteria invade your gallbladder, biliary symptom, and lymphatic tissue, or the bowel. Here is where the bacteria can be found in your stool sample. You'd think it's not that hard to prevent, right? I mean, you wash your hands and you're golden. But that's not true. Too many food industry workers do not fully sanitize their workstations or the food they are prepping. They don't need to go to the restroom to get contaminated to spread it, though that is the usual cause. 
they could simply have prepped your food, gotten the bacteria while cooking, and not cleaning. Touching knives, forks, plates, foods, you. The list goes on. But I'll take you back before the creation of public sewage systems. Typhoid was very common in the 1920s. For example, typhoid occurred in 100 out of every 100,000 people. It was more common in areas where cleanliness was not standardized. It became known as a slum disease, an illness you only got if you were poor or dirty. In some ways, that's true. The close contact of the slums of the 1920s was a cesspool for illnesses. Fresh air needed to clean out the buildings just didn't exist, and the understanding of handwashing and cleaning more wasn't the same. Zoning laws were different, and squalor, as unfortunate as it is, was commonplace. We know that more privileged individuals had a better opportunity to avoid those living situations so they were less likely to catch a dirty disease. But what many people just did not think about was how easy it was to spread typhoid even if you are a clean person. Picture it, the rapidly growing New York City during the turn of the century. Cars are becoming more commonplace, the First World War has ended. You go to your affluent friend's house for a cocktail party in your flapper dress and decide, I'll just have something small, like that peaches and ice cream dish I keep hearing about. What you don't know, or anyone else yet, is the chef who made all that food you're about to eat has typhoid. But the house is clean. They have maids. These friends of yours are by no means poor and destitute and surrounded by dirty, sick people. Unbeknownst to you, the family has gotten sick because someone, who plays a huge part of our story, did not wash her hands. There was a typhoid outbreak in New York City in the 1920s that no one could understand. But here's the deal. Mary Mallon was a cook for many families in the city. Moving from house to house, she made her living cooking for rich families and their friends. She was born in Ireland in 1869 and emigrated to the U.S. in 1884. By the age of 15, Mary Mallon had been living in the States for about a year, working to keep a roof over her head. As an Irish immigrant at this time, work was not easy to find, so she had to gain grit and stuck to what she was good at, cooking. Mallon worked her way through New York City in domestic positions for families, but over time, these families started getting sick. Family after family were contracting typhoid fever and could not figure out why. Again, we are clean people, rich wives would scoff. What they didn't know was the culprit wasn't their living conditions, but their live-in cook. Mallon had moved in with her aunt and uncle in the city, as it allowed her quicker access to her job sites. She was known to always be on time to work, healthy and happy. Well, as happy as you could be working day in and day out on your feet for little pay. She never lost her thick Irish brogue. She was the picture of health. The only problem being, as healthy as she may have seemed, Malin was an asymptomatic carrier of typhoid. Malin never showed symptoms of typhoid fever, headaches, or the other symptoms associated with the bacteria. So none of her employees accused her of being the reason everyone in their family was so sick. No one understood what it meant to be a carrier of illness, which many people today still don't understand. Malin had become very popular among the rich families and was in high demand. Her famous peaches and ice cream dessert was all anyone could talk about. But when six members of a banker's family contracted typhoid while on vacation in Long Island, they were taken aback. The Warrens were never surrounded by poor people. How would that make them look? 
Concerned Warren would not be able to rent out his summer home because the outbreak of typhoid had gotten so big, Charles Warren hired his friend George Soper. Soper was the Dr. Anthony Fauci of the 1920s. He was a freelance sanitary engineer who investigated other sources of typhoid fever outbreaks. His research and investigative findings had led him to conclude that a person could have typhoid and not even know it. Soper went through the infected households and looked at the plumbing. He looked at the shellfish. He looked at everything that he knew could spread the bacteria to people. Nothing. Not a single thing showed up. So, Soper started asking the housemaids, asking about their routines, cleaning methods, and asking for stool samples. Imagine how that went. Well, he ruled out the scullery maids, but there was one person Soper had not been able to ask. The cook, Mary Mallon. Contaminated foods or water, the cook in the house full of sick people, it has to be the cook. Soper walked himself right into the kitchen and said, Miss Mallon, how long have you been working for the Warrens? To which she dismisses his question. What's it matter how long I've been working here? I've been nothing but dutiful. I'm on time every day. Well, Mallon, your food is making people sick. To which she reacted, who are you to come into my kitchen and tell me my food is making people sick? I've worked for several families and no one has been sick before. I'm a hardworking Irish woman. I have to make a living. What's all this you're asking me? Mallon... Soper, in his attempt to settle the woman pointing a knife at him, I'm going to need some stool and urine samples from you to rule you out as the source of this typhoid fever running rampant through the city. I'll do no such thing! Who are you to ask a lady such a question? Malin screamed, and proceeded to chase Soper out of the kitchen with a carving fork. Not knowing what to do, Soper went to the other families he learned Malin had worked for, all of whom had either recovered, or died, from typhoid, or currently were suffering. Seven families all infected, and were defecating themselves to death. Soper found 22 people and one girl in Malin's care succumbed to typhoid. This has to stop, Soper demanded proudly, knowing exactly what he must do next. He goes back to the Warren's household and storms into the kitchen where Malin is prepping her famous peaches and ice cream treat. Stop it right there, Malin! She whips around to see Soper standing in her kitchen yet again to which he asks her if she's washed her hands, how much she washes her hands and her equipment. Well, I've said before I'm a hard-working woman. I don't have time for such trivial things. I've got to get back to the kitchen as soon as possible. A quick rinse and I'm back to work. What's the big deal? Get out of my kitchen. So, ha! Soper had found his culprit and told Malin to come with him. He arrested her for endangering families and her lackadaisical sanitary work. But stubborn as she was, Malin would have none of it, not understanding how she could be to blame. She wasn't sick. How could she make anyone sick if she herself was the image of health? Next thing we know, Malin leaves the services of the Warren family, taking her infected peaches and ice cream treats with her, to another family. Soper, being the detective he was, followed her to every new family she worked for all of whom were getting sick with typhoid. You're driving me out of work, she lectured Soper. I'm just a cook, I have no other skills. I'm just an Irish woman trying to get by. What says I'm the reason for these people's illnesses when they go out with their friends into the city? Based on Soper's sleuthing, the New York City Health Department took Malin into custody in 1907 and forced her into confinement inside a bungalow on a 16-acre North Brother Island. Sounds fine to me, right? But that wasn't the case. She only had her fox terrier for companionship. 
She would write to friends and family, begging and pleading for help and understanding. I've never had typhoid in my life. How could I make others sick with something I've never had? I'm the spitting image of health. Why am I to be locked away like a pariah on this island with only a dog for company? You may think, what's so bad about that? I mean, I hate mass humanity. Put me in a bungalow with just my rabbit and some Netflix, I'm golden. But again, that wasn't the case for Malin. Her doctors feared her. No one was allowed to visit her. She didn't have the same types of entertainment we have today. Malin was alone, scared, and angry. Doctors ran tests on her day after day after day, all coming up positive with typhoid. Again, Malin cried, I feel fine, let me go. Finally, at one point, one test came back negative, and Malin sued the health department for her freedom. But the Supreme Court denied her petition. Malin, at this point, tired and angry, reached out to a local newspaper, giving them her side of the story to William Randolph Hearst, who had done many release stories for similar human interest pieces such as Malin's. Gaining public interest, this poor Irish woman who was in perfect health being held against her will and invasive tests ran on her like some test animal became so controversial she gained the title Typhoid Mary. After this paper was released in 1910, the new health commissioner, Ernst Ledlier, agreed to Malin's petition for release. On one condition. She never cooks again. The one thing Malin was good at, taken away from her. Well, it's no surprise Malin broke her promise. She's a cook. What else could she do? So, bend the man, the patriarchy? Nah. She cooked for a living, and that is what she would do. Surprised to say, in 1915, an outbreak of typhoid fever at Manhattan's Stone Maternity Hospital struck 25 workers, killing two. And guess who was called to trace the outbreak but George Soper? How is everyone so sick? One nurse asked. We're a hospital, for Christ's sake. We know how to clean and wash our hands. Well, who's your cook? Soper asked. He already had his suspicions, as he and the rest of the health department had lost track of Mary Mallon a few years prior, and knowing her tendency not to listen, he knew exactly who the cook was. And when the nurse responded, Oh, she's a nice woman. Very wonderful. Always on time. Very Irish. What's her name? Oh, right, Mary. Mary Brown. Soper asked the nurse to walk him to the hospital's kitchen right away, and lo and behold, there stands Mary Mallon. All this time, she was right under his nose, cooking for hotels, restaurants, and institutions. Soper storms into the kitchen and sees Mallon working. Aha! I see you, Mallon. I see you! Soper smugly walks over to Mallon, who's probably rolling her eyes. I've caught you, should I say, fecal-handed? Malin once again dragged off to North Brother Island. She spent 26 years in forced isolation, the last of her 23 years alone, a virtual prisoner, adding three years from her previous stay. Although thousands walk around New York City freely, spreading typhoid asymptomatically, Mary lived alone in exile in large part due to the public opinion that turned firmly against her after her failure to stay out of the kitchen. She was fated to cook only for herself until her death on November 11, 1938, forever known as Typhoid Mary. This isn't the end of the story, though. Typhoid is still present, even after all this. Even after isolating Mary and a few other people, 
learning more about bacterial infections and how they spread, typhoid still remains an issue. In 1988, researchers found an outbreak of typhoid fever and traced it back to a fast food restaurant in Silver Springs, Maryland. Ten cases were assumed to come from the shrimp salad that was served. Though the salad tested negative for typhoid, there was a worker who served it and they tested positive for that bacteria. The woman had emigrated from a country where typhoid was common and therefore spread it through her work. Sound familiar? So how does all this connect to today's pandemic of COVID-19? Viruses and bacteria aren't the same thing, but how we respond to them is. Just like Mary Mallon, who was asymptomatic, she kept going to work. She did not take the proper precautions to keep everyone around her safe. She believed, because she was not showing any symptoms, how could she possibly make others sick? Today, we know that you don't have to be showing symptoms to be sharing what you carry. Today, we know that you could be carrying COVID after a moment's interaction with someone who had the virus and was contagious, passes it to you and the cycle continues. You, either through spreading virus or not wearing a mask, washing your hands or quarantining, spread it to someone else who may be just like Malin and show no symptoms and still spread the virus. So when you see someone walking around without a mask or wearing their mask wrong, Seriously think about what that means for those around that individual. We can argue that Mary is the prime example of why we have anti-maskers today. Because she showed no symptoms, she was fine. Think about how Mary must have felt being forced into quarantine and isolation when she felt perfectly fine. It makes sense as to why so many people today are loosening their safety measures. Not wearing masks, still going out to eat. But that doesn't give anyone the excuse to put someone else in danger just because they feel fine. That does it for this episode of A Bit of Everything. Thank you for listening and please remember, wash your fucking hands.